it's okay to take a break from the world sometimes. In fact, it's healthy to take breaks, especially when things tend to ramp up. So let this be a reminder for you to take a break. Maybe it's a 15-minute walk in a park or just a mental break from constantly jumping from solving one problem to the next. Maybe it's a mini vacation. Take a break. It's Friday, March 5th, 2022, and today we are covering the following featured stories. Review of Biden's State of the Union address, and sadly, still the top story of this past week, the Russian-Ukrainian war. Welcome to Life Ring, a podcast where we strive to provide you with a well-rounded review of what is going on in the world between Monday and Friday of this past week. My name is Alex, and joining me today is my friend and a dear brother, calling in all the way from Bellingham, Washington, Mr. Andre Badak. Hello, Andre. Hey, Alex. Thank you for joining me on episode 14. I'm glad to have, gl- glad to have you as a guest host today. How are you doing? How's your week so far? Uh, not too bad. I don't know You're why I say uh, so far because it's been it's almost over. <laughs> but how's your? Uh, it's not too bad. I've been off work um, for for a minute. So is that a good thing or a nice bad to thing? Catch up. Uh, it, it's both. Uh, both. One of the family members uh, tested positive for COVID, and since uh, you know everybody's so terrified, that was I'm on mandatory quarantine for. Are you getting 10 days? paid for that yeah, time? So, I am getting paid, but I oh. can use that money elsewhere, you know, so, mm. or for other type of leaves, or I can cash it out. But so. oh. oh, yeah, it oh, is well. what it is. So, I mean, it's it's nice to have at least course time off. I don't get that very often nowadays. True. So. True. Well, I'm glad you could join us. Uh, you are not Ukrainian, are you? Uh, probably not. Probably I'm kind not. of like a mixture of a lot of things back if you really follow my line but um, so where where, where were you Russian born i was born in moscow so okay the capital of russia yeah my right, grandpa well, th- thank you for joining me uh, i think at this point we're going to continue without you i mean it's it's funny <laughs> but it's not right like dude what is going on in the world huh i know i just saw a babylon b post uh russia has been removed from google maps which <laughs> <laughs> take music and trust nobody yeah that's, that's pretty hilarious sorry i interrupted you were you were talking about so you were in moscow born in moscow yeah so I, I lived in russia my parents lived in russia but before that uh, my dad spent his childhood years in ukraine mariupol that's what the war zone's at that's where my grandpa lived like yeah. his whole life um still have uh, three uncles that live back there and have some uncles in Moscow. So I'm kind of like on both sides of the of the border. So it's been, Dude, it's been that's, weird. That's, that's the story for a lot of people. I mean, there's just no way to clean cut the two countries, right? Like you cannot separate one from the other. It's just, yeah, it's a tough one. Well, we'll be talking about it today. You're, um, you're featuring the story at the end. So that's cool. I want to take a moment and uh, thank you all who have supported us and reached out to us. Uh, it was a pleasure to serve you in this way. And as you might conclude from the tone of voice and the type of words uh, that I just used, we are ending this, uh, not podcast, but this season. Uh, it's time to take a break and hopefully sometime this year we'll return with more strategy, better plan, maybe team, maybe marketing plan for the podcast but uh so far we have been putting most of our time to research and uh the quality of the podcast so like making sure the equipment runs fine we we are in the top five percent of the podcasts in the world out of all of them of like two and a half million or something uh which sounds cool but it's it's we still have a lot of work to do uh so 
Yeah, but then again, comparing that's comparing to all the podcasts that were ever released. So we're taking a break, but we will be back. Uh, there's one more episode after this one, uh, episode 15, and that will be the concluding one of this season. So just as a reminder, we do have two featured stories that we choose to highlight any given week and one I get to share in the beginning, which will happen in a few minutes. And then um, we have lightning round where we go through the rest of the stories, uh, um, offer a brief commentary. And then finally, Andre will share the featured story, which is going to be Ukraine today. So let's get into the first one. I, I think it will be fair to say that being a Slavic American and probably more specifically Ukrainian American, for me at least, this past 10 days were something. It's hard to keep focus and pay attention to much else except the stressful, tense, unresolved till this point situation in Ukraine. But... But we live here, and although our people, you know, have mobilized to offer humanitarian aid uh, to the suffering nation of Ukraine, at the end of the day, we got to go to work here, you know, pay the bills, and look ahead in the country that we live in. So let's briefly address some of the highlights of the State of the Union address. Now, what is the State of the Union address? Uh, we know that it's the time when the president comes, you know, forward and sort of offers... A message. But here's what I dug up from New York Times. Hopefully this will be useful to you as well. They go on to say the State of the Union message in its modern form is generally seen as an opportunity for the president to assess the major issues facing the country, outline the legislative agenda uh, the White House is pursuing and offer a vision for the future. Uh, it was basically designed to satisfy constitutional requirements, which, which says, quote, the president shall from time to time give to the Congress information of the State of the Union and recommend to their consideration such measures as he shall judge necessary and expedient. I don't know why I had to do the voice, but um, not all presidents have chosen to deliver speech, but beginning with President Thomas Jefferson in 1801, presidents throughout 19th century issued a written report to Congress appraising the country's situation. And then a, more than a century later, a New York Times article went on to say, the practice of updating Congress through an in-person address was revived by President Woodrow Wilson in 1913. And now you know as much as I about what the Union Address is all about. I guess uh, let's start. Have you seen the whole uh, State of the Union Address, Andre? Uh, not the whole thing, just uh, snippets here and there on Facebook. Perfect. We're in the same boat as the rest to... of the country, I think. <laughs> Unless you have a uh, uh, super cool podcast where you have to listen to the whole thing. Uh, most people don't. I've only seen the interesting parts where, like, the Nancy Pelosi does this dance, like, whatever that <laughs> thing is. <laughs> <laughs> My wife brought that to me, you know, she's like, look, what is she doing? What is going on in her head? Yeah, that was creepy. <laughs> I mean, I, yeah, I don't know what she was thinking. All right, so, um, yeah, I've only listened to some, I guess, parts of it. But we can, we can chat about some of the areas. I think it's fair to say that the Ukraine um, definitely had a spotlight this year. Ukraine is a nation and Ukraine is a situation more properly, I guess. Uh, if you paid attention, uh, most of the people uh, in attendance, most of the members there, uh, wore some kind of either the colors of Ukraine. So it'd be like blue or yellow. Other people just chose to put on a you know lapel pin of like the Ukrainian and American flag. Uh, well, except for, I guess, vice president, she didn't really get the memos. She just went with a, not, 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 not only did she not have anything to do with Ukraine, like, you know, no pin, no nothing, but she also wore brown, like all brown, 
kind of like the color of the seat behind her. I don't know what was most painful to watch, the president on the podium or Nancy Pelosi and Kamala Harris in the back. <laughs> <laughs> right? And and that was um dude, that's our country right there. Yeah. So let's let's talk about Ukraine. So one of the things he said, Putin may circle Kyiv but he will never gain the hearts and souls of the Iranian people. I think Kamala Harris was mouthing Ukrainian behind him. She was. (laughs) That's right. But that was an interesting point, right? So they talked about how the attack was premediated and unprovoked. He did uplift the Ukraine. He talked about sanctions, uh, talked about the support that we're offering, that more than a billion dollars of assistance is being sent. They're also working on seizing uh, the yachts of oligarchs around the world, their properties, you know, that are outside of Russia. Essentially squeezing their economy uh, to the point where something will be felt. So what did you think about sanctions and, um, I guess, the U.S. role in, in trying to squeeze Russia and how effective do you think it will be? Well, they're kind of effective with the whole um, cutting them off from the central bank and uh, the, from the SWIFT. But it's a very dangerous, um, dangerous uh, move. Uh, so from hmm. from initial like perspective, you can say hey, this is good. Look, the ruble is suffering. Uh, They're being cut off from the supply. So there's also a risk to it. I want to quote from an article. It says, the United States also risks losing some control over the financial and payment system that was gained in part because of the European instability in the 20th century and has supported our prosperity and power since then. So China has been developing its own CIPS system, an alternative to SWIFT and cryptocurrencies. Blockchain technology offers banks ways to improve or move payments without using dollars or SWIFT. The very success of weaponization of the legacy financial system by the United States and its allies may drive Russia and others into an alternative decentralized mode of finance that by its very nature will resist control by the, by any government. And that's according to Brookings.edu. So if you kind of follow this logic, you know, it's like mm-hmm. you give them a taste, be like, hey, you know, we're cutting you off. So you're kind of, you know, left without this uh, ability to move money. And so that's why China's already developing its own system. And it's kind of pushing Russia into that direction. So in a way, uh, since America has control over this, they have like leverage. But if Russia is like, okay, well, if I'm being cut off, where's the guarantee that it's not going to happen in the future? So let me establish something that would make me immune to this, which will make America lose all leverage Mm -hmm. in the financial warfare. So, yes, it's it's hurting them now. But I think in the long run, it's kind of making them think and not rely on this as much as they are now, giving them more control in the long run. That's a good point. And I felt like Putin did point out that he was like, we're basically, we're going to be, of course, he's saying to his nation, we're going to be totally fine. We're just going to become more independent. We're going to develop more expertise in in many of the areas where we are lacking today. So it's going to be even better for our economy. That's where it's like, you know, it seems like words are, we're only cheap talk on our side, you know, because at this, I mean, you could say like Putin may circle Kyiv, but he will never gain the hearts of and souls of Ukrainians. But at the same time, the cities are being attacked and there's a full on war going on. Yeah. Right? Russia does not fear this administration as much. And they feel they're threatened by escalating the war, the nuclear threats and everything. So they're just kind of like, oh, you know, we'll just see in the background. And I'm not going to put any blame, but come on, Biden um, is in a way, funding this war. Uh, I mean, he cut out this uh, Keystone pipeline and uh, he's bought buying almost 600, just shy of 600,000 barrels of oil per day from Russia. And the Keystone pipeline would have supplied 
the U.S. with 800,000 barrels. Mm. You know, so he's pretty much funding, and that's the thing that's not sanctioned. You know, he's just funding right the um, oil Russia is... without without this money. And I mean, I'm not gonna go into the tin foil hat stories uh, where uh, Hunter Biden and their administration gains to, I mean, it stands to gain from the conflict and uh, with all their Ukrainian assets and everything. So. There's a lot of conspiracies and things going around that, you know, it's beneficial for them in a way. So they're just kind of making a, making it look like they care. But, you know, I've seen crazier conspiracies end up being true. So, you know, you never know. Another topic that I thought was interesting was COVID-19 uh, because Biden had 14 months of uh, failures to talk about, right? And, and somehow to wrap it into a nice little presentation. He said Trump's uh, trillion bill only help like the top basically he said it only helped like the people who you know earn a lot or something like that what he didn't address is the artificial economy collapse that they've created that maybe things would have got back to normal by itself if we only didn't clamp down the economy at that time where he paid people to stay home and inflated currency and prices and caused all this economic instability but overall he he said you know sort of focused on the successful parts of it that we are getting out of this sickness and let's not let COVID divide us again or something like that. The war fixed COVID. If you see all those pictures of Biden huddling with his, like a room full of people, like all maskless, no one really cares anymore. So it's like, you know, it's like, hey, COVID's gone now. Look yeah. at that. The other thing that surprised me, and I don't know if you heard this, but he was talking about, you know, with police to restore the trust and safety to restore the trust towards the police and safety for our people. He's like, our goal is not to defund the police. It is to fund them, fund them with resources, training that they need to protect our communities, which I thought, man, if only he would, he would have said this like a few, you know, 14 months back or maybe a little more like two years ago, right? When he was still campaigning, there's no way that this wouldn't have become, you know, one of the major contention points from the left towards him. But now he can say it, which to me, I, I, I kind of wonder where the BLM activists right now who said that they wanted to defund and what did they think about this? Another one was economy. He was saying that record job growth, you know, higher wages and so on. One of the things he said, his top priority is getting the prices under control. And he said, one way to do it is to drive down the wages, keep the cost under control and make people poor again. But he says, I have a plan. Instead of driving down your wages, I will lower the cost, not your wages. And that's it. That was that was his plan. I mean, of course, he says by making more cars, semiconductors in America, more infrastructure, more goods moving faster and cheaper, more jobs, uh, and less reliance on foreign supply chains. But how can you bring the cost down with the wages, you know, being up? I mean, where, where are you going to get the materials? You know, who's going to pay for that? And he's also saying, of course... There's not going to be taxes. There's no additional taxes for anybody, which is a complete lie because there's no way to fund all the stuff that he wants to fund an infrastructure bill. On top of that, if you want to drive the cost down, who's paying for this at the end, right? The government. <laughs> the government, right. <laughs> Even though construction materials right now, like overnight, I think it was yesterday, it jumped up 10 bucks per OSB sheet from 47 to 57. That's like the sharpest jump uh, we've seen yet, you know. It's going to be hard to get it back under control. And then finally, um, a, a few other things he mentioned was border. Uh, he said something revolutionary by saying, we need to secure our border and fix the immigration system. That's considering that 70% of people uh, disagree, disapprove of his policies on the border. And finally, um, 
Well, I guess he he obviously ended with call to unity. Uh, expected, I guess, with the State of the Union address. Um, it was it was kind of ironic though because the division for the past fourteen months was brought on by their pro- political rhetoric, especially surrounding COVID nineteen and uh, you know vaccines and whatnot. Like the division was coming from the top, but he said we're more united than ever before, and so that's kind of the future where we're heading. So where does that leave us? Well, I think I I have four four things I guess to mention. Number one is Jesus is King and He is on the throne which means that we are people of his kingdom first and ambassadors of Christ. So let's not forget that our first duty is to proclaim Christ to the world, expand his kingdom first. That's number one. Number two is that voting matters and it does have lasting consequences as we see with this administration, meaning don't downplay this. God gave us the opportunity to live in this democratic country where we have the ability to have our voices to be heard and we should uh, use that wisely. Number three, no matter the state of the union in the nation, uh, let's focus on the most important unions first, and that is the union of Christian family, um, the church around the world and local, union around godly values, principles, union against evil, sinful, degrading laws and practices, and then union in our fight for good, whether it's legislature or our communities. And finally, in everything that we face, we take it up in prayer to our Lord, who will give us wisdom, strength to be his witnesses, even in the times of crisis, uncertainty, and despair. Welcome to Lightning Round, where we get to cover the rest of the stories that are not featured, but are kind of important or stood out in the news this past week. And uh, the first one is has to do with UK. Have you, have you traveled to UK? No, sir. You haven't? But you've been to no, Europe, right? No, just Europe. Well, I was born in Europe, if you can say. No, I know, but like, have you yeah. been back? Have you been back? No, I have. I have not. No. You have not been back. With something. I think no. you've been. You've been South America, right? South America, yeah, I've been. Mexico, yeah. Honduras, Canada, Belize. I like um, how you put Canada in South America. That's cool. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't think I've went like across the seas since. I mean, across the ocean since I moved from Russia. So. Gotcha. All right. Well, this story takes us to UK, London. Apparently, um, according to BBC, a second tube strike in three days had brought more disruption to London. And this is as of uh, one day ago. So that's what, on the Wednesday. What was going on is uh, about 10,000 uh, union members started a 24-hour walkout from, um, I guess, one at night as they did on Tuesday, basically they had disputes over jobs and pensions. From what I read, the government said there's going to be some kind of cuts and uh, the whole, essentially, transportation was in gridlock for 24 hours. Um, by tube, I assume they mean... Railway thing? The, yeah, the, the underground subway. Subway. Yeah, and they're saying on Tuesday, two passenger numbers were down 94% compared to last week with a 14% increase on bus usage. So, yeah, there was a whole... Um, th- that's one way, I guess, to protest. I mean, I've never been to, I mean, to Europe in that area. Is it even worth owning a car? Say it again? Or is like uh, public transport... Is it worth owning a, worth it to own a car in, in the UK? I've never been there, but I just saw the little movies where everything is like super tight and you got like a bunch of mopeds and bicycles. 
Yeah, it, it seems like in big cities, it almost doesn't make sense. You don't have a place to store it. Uh, you're probably living in one of those multi-story apartments and, and everything is tight and traffic is so bad that you're right. I know one thing they were saying is that people were encouraged to work from home, encouraged to work remotely for that day. Other people say it's a blow to businesses as they recover from COVID restrictions and stopping people from getting to work and whatnot. But it's definitely a reminder that you know, when you're going against what people want, uh, people uh, will cause these kind of disruptions and show that they still have the power. All right, as for the COVID news, I have three stories. I think uh, I'm going to mention just the headlines, but I think they're pretty unique. So speaking of that, I remember back in uh, a few months ago, right, there was a question about you and your job and vaccination. Uh, did you get? Did you end up getting vaccinated or not? Uh, yep, and I grew a third arm. It's very handy. <laughs> um, I, I recommend right. it. It's, you can do so much more things. You can type and drink coffee. It's right? awesome, man. Isn't it, isn't it crazy, huh, the, the effect? No, but that's – so you did. You, 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 you did get vaccinated. And you didn't die. I'm here. Right. But um, – is that mandate still in place at your work or not? Yeah, it is. And with it our is. mayor, um, I don't think it's it's going to go away until the mayor yeah. leaves office because there's a lot of personal agenda of pride that's in effect that's probably not going away. And I mean, if you fire like what, 12 cops, um, what are you going to do if you drop them in mandate? You know, you just kind of, you know, yeah. get a big stain in, in your reputation in the city. So it's one yeah. of those things. Yeah, and so this is interesting because this is one of those examples and, you know, I, I've said it before as well, is that if I were forced to, you know, pick a job for my family or, you know, not to get vaccinated, this is one of those things where you're like, draw the line and you say, okay, this is not that big of a deal to where I have to provide for my family. And of course, in you, in your case, you know, you're um, 911 dispatcher, right? Mm-hmm. That, that's a job that, you know, you're not just going to, I guess, easily switch to, to another dispatcher, you know, that quickly. So, plus, most of them probably would so, require. So, I mean, there was some agencies that don't, but it's like a nine-month hiring process. Please. Exactly. Uh, and at this point, I've met quite a few people, I guess, who are from, from Slavic community, you know, who, who are vaccinated. And obviously, they didn't die and they're well alive because they didn't happen to be the, you know, certain percentage you of people see, that... You get the the worst of all both worlds, you know, because um, now, you know, you are being pretty much attacked from your Slavic community, like you're some sort of like a I don't know traitor almost mm-hmm. of of I don't I don't know how you're a traitor of like the Christian community if you have <laughs> that vaccine that that's like that's beyond me. But now you have this like one side and another side, you know, that's kind of pushing at you. It's yeah, it's you 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 never know what to answer you know if i say yes will he fire at me or will they fire at me you know kind of, if i say no he's me mad he's me happy if i say that it's gonna be vice versa it's like so who do i feel like pissing off about yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and by the way thank you for sharing that i i, I did uh, check in with you and i'm glad that you you, you know because i think it's an interesting discussion to have and it's important uh, even yeah. on that front to be uh, um i guess understanding well, I mean, that it's a personal choice and nothing more nothing less I mean, I heard arguments like, like, well, what about losing your job and not providing? And so I was like, well, God will provide uh, a job for you if you're going to, you know, stay faithful in this. Well, first of all, there's nothing religious about it. Number two, if God can provide a job, why can't he provide good health and uh, the lack of side effects? You know, it's like, why why does God care about providing jobs more than he cares about provi- providing health? You know, just this kind of thing is like you're using that 
God card to like push your understanding forward, which I don't get. Well, as I'm looking at this uh, next article, uh, apparently as vaccine demand falls, states are left with huge stockpile of vaccines. Uh, we're talking about 1 million in Illinois, 1.45 million in North Carolina, and almost 725,000 doses in Washington that cannot be used or couldn't be used. There's also nearly 1.5 doses in Michigan. The percentage of wasted doses in California is only 1.8%, but in a state that has received 84 million doses and administered more than 71, that equals to roughly 1.4 million doses, is what they're saying. So uh, what I just read to you previously were wasted doses that could not be used. Um, again, kind of expected. And, and and if you think about it, this is where the this, this was government-funded, right? Like... This is a waste of all of that money that was pushed, you know, towards vaccines, which could have been put into economy. On top of that, NFL becomes first major American sports league to drop COVID-19 protocols. We're talking about masking, social distancing, testing. They're dropping it. Why? Because Americans like their sport and they want their sport to be just the same way it was before. And finally, in the same COVID, I guess, area, a new research hasn't been peer-reviewed, hasn't been published officially, but new research points out, and this is according to New York Times, points out uh, that Wuhan market is the pandemic origin. They're saying that the rats? Bats. Bats. Flying rats. Probably. Like the animals that were sold at the market is what they're saying is the origin of the... I, I thought that we were past the whole idea of origin of, it, of um, the COVID virus, but apparently... People are continue to research it, and now there's a new study. They're talking like about yeah, the ten stalls seen, in the southwest corner of market that sold live animals. Yeah, about COVID, we see like even Washington State is finally dropping dropping their indoor mask restrictions starting March 12th. They're saying that I believe like 80 something percent of uh, the population is now that va- are not vaccinated immune. So we finally, they say, we finally reached our herd immunity, whether it's vaccine. Uh, previous infections, but they finally say we finally have uh, herd immunity and uh, Omicron is running out of people to infect. And when was the first time I did the podcast with you? What month was this? It was like at least half a year ago, was it? Probably. Well, no, maybe not. It was this season. Maybe. Right? This season? It was this season. I can't remember. Anyways, but I I remember um, making a bold comment. I was hoping that people don't see me as a tinfoil hat dude by saying that watch, this is when um, Omicron just barely came out. It was like the week where Omicron was, you know, being discovered. And I said, something like, yeah, watch this Omicron just sweep through everybody and we get herd immunity, COVID's over. And I was just kind of, haha, uh, you know, I'm going to get kicked out for being a conspiracy theorist, you know, but hey, what was happening? Omicron just, what do you know? <laughs> even Inslee said, you know, Omicron's running out of people to infect and everyone's dropping all these uh, mandates in King County. Now you don't need proof of vaccination to dine anywhere. So, hey, it worked out. But here, okay, so this is a great segue into the next story because the trucker convoy, the freedom convoy that was inspired by Canada's people, uh, is now the American freedom convoy. It's moving across the country um, towards Washington, D.C. right now, uh, or on, on Thursday, it was passing through um, Thursday. On Friday, it was passing uh, through Knoxville, Tennessee. And the interesting thing is that they're going to protest 
against COVID-19 restrictions, which, like we just discussed, they're pretty much being dropped all over the place. So I don't know what they're going to be protesting once they arrive there, but they want to... They're saying, we're going to try and re- to get our constitution reestablished and trying to get them to do away with all these mandates they are forcing upon us. We're going to have our voices heard. What you're not hearing is every single person out there. We are the voice. That's They're, they're going to be arriving Friday, Saturday uh, to do their protest, which is probably going to be a good story to cover next week. I'm pretty sure it's going to make the headlines. Now, in the world of economy... Wheat prices jumped 37%. Think about that. That's almost 40%. And corn prices jumped 21%. Now you might say, now you might say, why does that matter to me? Well, this is a result all because of Russia's invasion of Ukraine. We're talking about just in the past week. Something jumps 40%. You are definitely going to see the rise in price with other products as well. Because this is this 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 jump in 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 uh, cost is going to be passed on to all the other you know, people in the chain of the supply. I was going to quote this What's also. What's troubling is that um, this whole war thing is um, really putting a dent in our fertilizer supply. Um, uh-huh. I don't know if they were shipping it from Russia or from wherever, but pretty much essentially we don't have enough fertilizer to keep all those corn crops and all those monocrops and all those farms going. So that that's going to be a significant increase in our uh, products, especially food products. Right. And I didn't know this, but apparently Ukraine has been considered a breadbasket because of its rich soil. And the donation accounts for 12% of the world's total wheat exports, according to U.S. Department of Agriculture. It's also estimated uh, to supply 16% of the world's corn export this year. Food uh, producers in U.S. get most of their materials domestically, but any drop in production and exports from Ukraine would obviously be felt here according to Associated Press. I, I guess another thing that's worth no- noting in the world of economy is that U.S. consumers uh, according to Washington Street Journal spend uh, or I guess the spending rose 2.1% in January uh, and inflation accelerated amid Omicron wave. Uh, but that's, I don't know if that's surprising or not. Rose 2. Point, oh yeah, I guess it is. You would expect that to like rise in December. Right when they're buying gifts for Christmas, I don't know. Well, maybe people are um, panic buying, not panic buying, like uh, doomsday stocking. You know, that is a good point. I think that's actually one of the things that was uh, mentioned in the article. Spenders keep spending, uh, which is kind of interesting. Even though inflation's going up, sure, the wages are probably adjusting as well in in in, in most cases. But um, it makes sense if you think that your money is going to devalue. You might as well, yeah, get some assets out of it. And then uh, moving on to the next one. Uh, this is these news are out of Florida. Uh, apparently, there's um, a bill that's been introduced by the House, uh, Bill One Five Five Seven, a controversial measure that would prohibit school instructions on sexual orientation and gender identity in kindergarten through third grade, according to the Daytona Beach News Journal. Well, a local high school in Daytona, I assume, um, there was a junior whose name is Jack Petox. Petoch. He organized a walkout uh, for not only the high school, but for schools across the state to support LGBTQ plus rights for students. He brought a bunch of flags that he purchased himself. The, the what are they called? The pride flags, the rainbow looking flags. Mm-hmm. And um, apparently the, the principal was not happy with that. And really, I didn't really understand what they're protesting against because this is all about a right of a parent to choose at which age 
the child gets exposed to this LGBTQ pressure. And they were protesting, I guess, for or against this bill, the bill which was dubbed uh, Don't Say Gay, I guess, by the left. And so they were saying, say gay, say gay, say gay. Which is Come very on, Andre, interesting, yeah, because uh, we, <laughs> we say that, you know, LGBT, LGBTQ is pressure in our kids, and they say that they're pressuring their kids to be straight, in a way. You know, it's like, well, let them choose. Why are you pressuring us? And now we're saying, no, why, why are you pressuring us? So, like, everybody feels pressured, you know. It's kind of a weird, <laughs> weird place to be. It just felt like they everybody. just found a reason to protest and skip school because it's not like anybody's rights are being, yeah. I don't know. Anyways, moving on. North Carolina pastor is crediting God's protection after one, after no one was injured when an automobile crashed into his church building and down the sanctuary aisle mere minutes before Wednesday night service. And that's according to Christian headlines. So the accident uh, happened at the Baptist church in Supply, North Carolina. Uh, it took place around 6.15 p.m., and if you look at the pictures, you've got, like, a bunch of pews flipped over. Pew, 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 pew. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so it's an SUV that drove into a church, and apparently it had been hit by another vehicle. Uh, then it went airborne. The driver of the car that hit the SUV was at fault. Uh, it looks like the driver is fine. Obviously, damage the pews, electrical outlets, walls, molding, leaving debris, debris all across the worship center. But narrowly missed a wall of cinder block that could have been deadly for the driver. So I guess it's okay to come late to church sometimes. You never know when the SUV mm, is going to come rolling through the pews. Maybe the SUV was the one late for church. All right. Have you heard of this yeah. one? Uh, the whole the cargo ship that that drowned, or how do you say sank? No. Oh, was that a while, while ago or is this recent? No, this is recent. This is like March 1st. Apparently, I haven't seen this one then. Yeah, it was, it was um, a massive car carrying ship, according to the Providence Journal, that caught fire in the Atlantic Ocean and it was going uh, to Rhode Island. I think it was going from Europe. It was carrying Volkswagen Group automobiles from Germany. So it sank on Tuesday. And it was carrying 5,000 automobiles. It's not clear exactly how many were on board when the fire began. Initial reports of the local salvage team state that the vessel had sunk around 9 a.m. local time. Uh, the last the vessel position was around 220 nautical miles of the Azores. The salvage craft will remain around the sea to monitor the situation. Hold on, what? I thought they all sank. Yeah, on Tuesday it sank. I don't know. I saw a story on Facebook where uh, apparently the guy was like sharing... That he was ordering like these exquisite, like luxury cars, and they were one of a kind. And apparently, right now they're sitting on the bottom of the ocean, like two hundred miles down below, or something like that. Probably an inside job in that case. Of course. Anyways, <laughs> so the ship sank. <clears throat> you have a Fitbit? Oh, you're wearing one? Wow. Yes, sir. A lot of people use Fitbits for like whatever exercise reasons, but I think my main thing that I use it for, I mean, I use a lot of features, but my number one thing why I keep it is the tracking your sleep. It's revolutionary. It's amazing. Like I wake up and it looks like how much, how, how long I was restless, how much hours I was actually asleep, asleep, not since I lay down, woke up, like all these things, like my heart rate during my sleep. I just like, I wake up, it's like, I'm kind of tired. I wonder how much sleep was. And it's like, 
oh yeah, that's right. This is why it's like, oh, I feel tired. Oh, my sleep was pretty darn good. Have some coffee, move on. Kind of deal. You know, it's just, wow. kind of, it, it gives me a good gauge of like where I'm at. If I'm like tired for no reason or from like justifiably tired in a way, you know? So. Mm. And then you can be like, all right, I didn't have enough sleep today. So I'll take a nap or something. Wow. That's, that's neat. Okay. Well, I mean, it's pretty cool, just for my peace of mind. But. I'm pretty sure your Fitbit is fine, but apparently Fitbit LLC is voluntarily recalling roughly 1 million Ionic, Ionic smartwatches that it sold in U.S. following the reports of burn injuries caused by an overheating battery. Basically, the, they would just explode or go on fire. People are getting... Um, there's been, let's see, 78 reports of burn injuries in the U.S., including two reports of third-degree burns and four reports of second-degree burns. Um, of course, they should stop immediately using them. The recall. I don't know if yours is recalled or not, but you will be refunded two ninety nine upon the receipt of the device. I... I will admit, though, their batteries are very impressive. I think I charge it once and it lasts me a week, at wow. least. Yeah, I, I even forget to charge it. Well, it cool. looks like they stopped the production in 2020, so I don't know. Something to check out. According to CNBC, Toyota said that it will suspend Japan factory operations on Tuesday, losing around 13,000 cars of output. That's crazy to think about. I mean, I'll, I'll finish reading in a second, but like... That's one thing, right? When a factory shuts down for a while, you got to measure it in terms of the output of cars that it produces. That's something to think about. Anyways, after a supplier of plastic parts and electronic components was hit by a suspected cyber attack, no information was available about who was behind the possible attack or the motive. The attack comes uh, just after Japan joined Western allies in clamping down on Russia after it invaded Ukraine, although it was not clear if the attack was at all related the reason i thought to bring this story because it falls under cybersecurity section and i think cybersecurity will be a major concern going forward for example you you've seen the not QAnon, what did they call the the mask people the anonymous how did an anonymous uh, oh, threat anonymous, yeah. yeah take down the the russian websites one funny thing i saw i saw was a guy uh filming in the middle uh, like near moscow he was uh, at the Tesla charging station, and it was hacked. The, the display itself was hacked, and it was um, like Ukrainian words were there. Something like, Slavo Ukraini and Gl- glory to Ukraine and death to all the enemies. And he's like, dude, I'm in, I'm in Russia, like right here, you know, like what's going on? So, I mean, I, it didn't do much. <laughs> it's not much to counteract the propaganda in Russia, but it was something. Uh, anyway, cyber cyber war is, is is a very unique aspect of the future. I think conflicts, cyber war, cyber attacks, cyber yeah. security. I mean, and the financial wars like we're seeing right now. I mean, yeah, the bullets and the missiles. They, that's one thing, but like this whole financial plan, like I'm going to cut off your swift to your central bank, whatever you know, sanctions. That's a, it's like a parallel war. You know, people, troops on the floor. And the governments are trying to kind of who who's going to piss who off most kind of deal, you know. And and finally, here's the news that you've been waiting to hear uh, all day long, and that is that after zooming through deep space, a presumed leftover piece of Chinese rocket about the size of a school bus slammed into the moon on Friday, around 7:30 a.m. That's Eastern Standard Time. That's where the crazies were at. <laughs> uh, according to the Verge, uh, the collision brings an end to the rocket's life in space and likely leaves a fresh new crater on the moon that may be up to 65 feet wide. Dude, littering 
finally went to the next level. Now we're dropping garbage on the moon. Come on. That's one way to do it. I mean, there's only so much limited space on Earth where you can hide trash. I mean, you know that India trash a, problem? That could be a possible solution right there. Just dump it all on the moon. I mean, dude, nothing's going on on the moon anyways. Yeah, send it in rockets. Yeah. yeah, I mean, like, I, I was impressed how much trash even we use, especially with this pandemic when I started kind of keeping track. And, like, remember the New York thing when the garbage trucks were disrupt, disrupted for, like, a couple of days, like what kind of mess there was in the city streets. I know even I went and watched a little documentary about what happens if you shut down the whole garbage movement thing in one day. Like it's bad. They like, daily ship like containers and containers of trash out of New York because there's literally no space in New York to to keep garbage. So it's, it's weird. That's crazy. Yep. And 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 a lot of that waste is um, like not degradable, biodegradable. So it's it's going to take. Yeah. Gonna take it. I mean, maybe we'll come up with some kind of unique way of getting rid of it in the future. But send it to the moon. Yeah. So speaking of this rocket, apparently China denied that it was their rocket, or or at least that it was part of the rocket that we thought it was part of. They said no, it's an older rocket that we. Anyways, it's their rocket and it crashed, and now we can see that. Sounds like a toddler move. Yep. No, well, he did it. No, oh, he did it. I didn't do it. <laughs> and his chocolate's full of like, mouth is full of chocolate. So really. <laughs> it's China on it. All right. Well, that's it for yeah. today's lightning story. Now let's get to Andre's featured story about Ukraine and Russia tensions. And of course, uh, we're going to cover the Ukraine war story. It's mm-hmm. almost a crime not to cover it nowadays. That's a very tricky uh, story, actually, to cover because everywhere you look right now, you see countless of articles on the subject, Facebook, Snapchat stories, Fox News, and anywhere you look. And not just the journalism articles, but firsthand accounts from friends and family members in Ukraine, um, just posting things of what's going on. I'm sure we're all experts by now on the subject. Yep. With obviously, our own biased opinions about certain things, you know, anywhere on the spectrum. You can open Facebook and you can keep scrolling all night to see updates. And it's, even if I wanted to cover all the things going on, it's, yeah. it's impossible to do that in our time frame. So uh, that being said, I want the session to be more of like a discussion, a reflection, how it's affecting us and our relationship. Like you almost banned me from your podcast. That's, <laughs> that's a prime example. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so that we mentioned my little background. I uh, was born in Russia. Grandparents lived most of their lives in Ukraine. Uncles still there, three of them, cousins, you know, it's, it's pretty bad, pretty heated, cut off from like internet, a lot of electricity and stuff. So I don't want to by any means diminish and downplay what's going on in Ukraine and the innocent lives that are being taken. Mm-hmm. But I just wanted to kind of shift our focus of uh, what's going on here in the States and how it's affecting us, uh, the Slavic community. Right. Yeah. So when I open Facebook, I see posts such as uh, the Christians, people posting Russians, we will never forgive you for this. I'm like, uh, okay, thank you. Like, I don't know how to respond to this statement. Mm. You know, I'm not doing anything. I'm just living here my peaceful life, but sure. Also, I see all these banners posted, pray for peace between Russia and Ukraine, which is a valid thing to pray for. It's like, yes, let's pray that. And then I see like Russian Christians commenting, even some people in like ministry positions saying, oh no, we need to pray for um, this and this to happen to Russia and to this and then there'll be peace because it's kind of their fault so they're almost using prayer as like a weapon against the other party mm-hmm. instead of like uh, praying for unity so just kind of observing this kind of like erratic behavior from the Christians like what's going on you know 
how we forgot everything the Bible teaches us about, you know, praying for the enemies. So it's easy to read the verse to pray for the people who persecute persecute you when you're not being persecuted. So, and there are countless of similar posts created by so-called Christians. So it's been a big, huge division for the people, even in the church. And uh, I'm not going to mention any names, but the Ukrainian guy calls my dad and pretty much presses him out for being Russian. You know, and my dad obviously would find it amusing, the person that he is, even though he spent his childhood in Mariupol. You know, he's like, all right, great. You know, you're just going to these kind of things happen. So, you know, that and, that's uh, an interesting thing to see, to hear it from from your perspective, because I feel like we are surrounded by so many Ukrainians here that it's we almost hear it one sided. Like, you know, it's just like support and move forward and all of that. Uh, my wife's Russian, by the way. So, you know, we obviously chat about the fact how, hold on, like, why is the world all of a sudden hating Rus- on Russians, you know? Like, even in Russia itself, according to independent sources, um, 8,000 people have been detained. Now, I know that's, like, not a ton, but these are people who all of a sudden risked their clean record and said, I'm going to append my life for, like, a bit by just going out and protesting. So that's that that speaks of something, you know? It's not the people. It's more, it's, and that's that's like where, yeah. where you draw the line. But yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. Like you see a post going around Facebook right now. It's like, don't stop supporting your local Russian restaurants here in the U.S. The fifty-year-old grandma selling pirashki did not invade Ukraine. I'm <laughs> sure you've seen that post. You know, it's like wow. those kind of things. It's like now we're not going to buy Russian locals. Like now, innocent people who don't agree with the war or innocent businesses are suffering. Yeah. Kind of reminds me of like what happened with the Japanese after the World War II. You know. Oh, it's like we're point. just kind of repeating that thing all over again. You know, it's wow. it's kind of uh, sad to see. And I mean, we live in America. We're very comfortable. Yeah, we're very, uh, but we're full of hate, unfortunately. Mm. Like, yeah, we're very upset and frustrated what's going on in the Ukraine. We observe, like, when we look at the videos, the Ukrainians in the war zones are being way more gracious than we are here sitting in our comfy bumps. You know, there's a video you probably saw showing of a surrendered Russian soldier being fed by the Ukrainians. He's been showed kindness, put in touch with his mom. You know, it's like showing grace to this person. Mm-hmm. And people on the ground forgiving the people, the exact same people who invaded them. You know, when Christians in their comfort zones don't forgive you just for being a Russian and have nothing to do with the war. You know, That's it's a good just kind of like we follow with the whole like right now, like blue versus red black lives matter we're way too comfortable so we're just kind of looking for two two reasons to quarrel and disagree with someone Mm. yeah so we're just like creating this like a hype artificial hype in a way so yeah Yeah. i mean and if you ask most of the russians in america they will say they do not support the war obviously there's way too much division and like my whole life uh, every single time i was asked if i'm a russian or ukrainian because it's a common question Mm -hmm. when americans ask you this you know, my whole life, the response was, it's the same thing. You know, it's like, what, what's yeah, the difference? Yeah. Deal? It's like, I always viewed them as one people living in somewhat of a different region. They used to be even one country, you know. I feel like anything the government touches divided us, divides us. Like, just recently, from like 2016, the red versus blue division. I mean, I've never seen anything like this my whole life. I mean, like middle school, high school, you're not afraid to say you're a Democrat or a Republican. It's like, it, it doesn't yeah. matter, you know. Or like black people versus white people. I thought racism was long time over. I mean, I'm sure there's still things going on, but it wasn't to this like scale that it is now with Black Lives Matter. Mm-hmm. And now it's dividing like nations and people that are like so, so similar. It's like you speak the same language, you have the same traditions, you go to the same, everything about you is the same, same skin color, except like your president's different in a way. And, and now you hate each other. You know, it's like, I feel like everything they touch kind of 
falls apart. But that's actually an interesting point. I, I haven't looked at it that way, but it's like this division has been happening all over the world. And I wonder if COVID sort of just pushed that to the brink because you've always had like the with COVID, right? The vaccinated versus unvaccinated or those who are willing to go along with the quote-unquote oppressive COVID measures and those who are not, right? Because like the whole world sort of has been pushed to find an enemy within. And I wonder if that's one of the results is this Russian-Ukrainian conflict that's sort of been brewing for many, you know, almost a decade. For sure. I mean, the Bible also has to be fulfilled somehow. And it says brother will turn on brother, you know. How close do you have to be? Like my my dad, one of my dad's brothers in Moscow, one of my dad's brothers is in Ukraine. Mm-hmm. It's like, mm-hmm. and they're they're the same people, the same family, the same blood, but based on some guy who does not care about you at all, having conflict yeah. with another guy who doesn't care about that guy. Now you guys are gonna fight because, like you mentioned in the previous podcast, Ukrainians are very like pride, prideful nations. Like right. someone's trying to take your land, yeah, well let, let's go shoot him. You know, I don't care who it is. I think they it would just, work on any land. You would agree, whoever land would be attacked, everybody would yeah. feel compelled to, yeah, to, to defend it. Yeah. But Ukrainians do have a special national pride. That's that's one thing. And part, part of it, and I think we've covered it also in one of the episodes, is part of it, they've been invaded for centuries. There's like a whole history, whether it's Tatars or Turks or whoever else, you know, has been invading them over the centuries. So it's kind of like, part of the <laughs> part of the identity is to be oppressed and invaded yeah. and they always fight back and whether it be you know uh, another army or overlords i guess that's where the pride comes from but anyways and obviously russian didn't just like randomly wake up and like hey you know what i feel like going to kill some ukrainians i mean obviously like it's the governments like the russian government versus ukrainian government like russia had some demands that weren't met diplomatically i mean i mean it's a whole different conversation to get into the details of whether they're reasonable or not, uh, the whole NATO concerns. and uh, But the gist of it is two governments didn't agree, didn't get along, uh, civilians are suffering. You know, mm-hmm. Some people say, oh, this is unreasonable. But for Putin, they'll say, oh, them being part of NATO, that's unreasonable. You know, I don't want nukes on my borders. Like, like all these things you can argue for, for days, you know, but that's not the point. The point is civilian people are suffering because of people, like two governments are not getting along. I mean, there's still negotiations and they talk about like maybe having a ceasefire and like, but the most recent conversation they had with the French president, the French president believes the worst is yet to come according to Fox news, uh, following his conversation with Putin. So we'll see how that plays out. I mean, and one might ask and one is like, yeah, well, I understand that the presidents don't get along, but how can a Russian soldier follow such commands? Like when I'm being told, oh, go kill Ukrainians because, you know, whatever. It's like, how can a soldier go and do that? Uh, well, let me introduce you to the word propaganda. You know, we've seen this very clearly uh, with the mainstream media, even in the States, COVID, uh, Black Lives Matter, with the whole push of police brutality, anti-Trump, like the list goes on. Like this is yep. not nothing new, you know. What we're being fed is what we start believing. But the difference is here we have access to an opposing view. If we want to research further, we can, and we can come to a different conclusion. But in Russia, the the mainstream media is so controlled that they've been like a block in Facebook, Telegram. They only have like one flow of information, and like they don't have access to all this um, other information. So there, I just recently. It's, I think, going viral right now this year where the student interviews Russians, whether they support the war. The answers are along the lines of this is not verbatim. Like, of course, so many innocent people are suffering, so we we need to defend them. So, like, they're under the impression that they're doing good for the Ukrainians because they're being oppressed. 
And this is the information that they're being fed and they have access to other information, you know. And like you mentioned earlier, the people who do understand what's going on go out to protest and risking their own, like, freedom and uh, reputation on it, you know. So it's a lot of things is also misinformation. I mean, even here, uh, the kind of information we get, a lot of it is uh, debunked as fake news and whatnot. So it's it's a very... Uh, tough subject saw it earlier today that they actually blocked facebook completely at this point um according mm. to ros komnadzor on friday it said it would block facebook entirely because before it was partially restricting the network and uh most of the yeah, people so. they they watch news uh russia 24 russia 24 is the main channel and you know i i watched it over the whole course and and i'll tell you like the story is completely different and not that it's uh doesn't have elements of truth in it it's just that it takes the truth and then presents such a different narrative from the reality that it's scary and if that's the only thing you have in your country you know and on top of that they just came out with a rule where russia's duma which is, I guess, their legislative branch, has passed a law making the spread of fake news about Russian military punishable by up to 15 years in prison. So, I mean, of course, at this point, you don't even want to have Facebook because you post something and next thing you know, you have um, uh, the equivalent of FBI, what would be Facebook, showing up at your door and, um, yeah, 15 years in prison. And, 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 uh, and Russia is, like you said, they're not the only ones who are susceptible to this, you know, blindly following orders. Sadly, it has happened here, like you mentioned, and it could still happen here. It really depends. Oftentimes, it's just when it happens to you, you're not as quick to to realize that this is going on. Especially like with the whole introduction of Metaverse. You know, if we're already on Facebook and everyone else, we're being fed what, like, mm-hmm. you know, with what algorithms teach us or whatever, like the mainstream kind of teaches. And imagine how much worse this can be. Like, all you know is what they kind of want you to know. So, so. There's a lot of also uh, points I wanted to mention, but we're running out of time. For example, the whole no-fly zone with uh, the nuclear power being fired, I catch a fire. There's a lot of things going on, which I'm sure you guys all saw on uh, your feeds. If not, I'm sure you will see. And it's it's developing so fast, so it's just hard to keep up. Mm-hmm. The main point is we were just condemning all these divisions prior to Ukraine-Russia wars, like how how can we be so divided as a nation, uh, blue versus red, you know, Democrats, Republicans, you know, Black Lives Matter, we're just condemning the mainstream media for dividing us. Yet, you know, some someone touched our pain point, and now we're just turning to the same exact people, you know, so we can't really blame them if we're, in a sense, the same way. So let's just focus back to what really matters and what the Bible really teaches, whether they deserve it or not, praying for your enemies, loving your enemies, uh, showing grace, you know, and trying to mend these relationships, you know, instead of breaking them. You know, if you have a Russian friend and you're a Ukrainian, you know, he's not your enemy and vice versa. You know, let's let's not let's not let uh, Putin or Zelensky or NATO or whoever just take that away from us. So I, I think that that's where I'm trying to get at um, in, in this little conversation that we had. Well, that's all for the stories for this week. We are so glad you've joined us for another episode of Life Ring. Please consider following us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, or YouTube. Uh, Just type in LifeRing Podcast. Also consider sharing it with a friend or a family member that would benefit from a weekly overview of the current events from a conservative and Christian perspective. And as always, we would like to remind you that there is no better news on any given day than the good news of Jesus Christ. He died for the sins of the world so that everyone 
who comes to him would be saved. We encourage you to seek him if you haven't already. Thank you for listening to Life Ring, and we'll see you next week.